when I fly in an airplane. I fly water only and I arrive at my destination with no jet lag and no fatigue, which is amazing. Now, are those rules and constraints? Yes, but those rules for myself make my life better and it doesn't feel like a constraint. It's not a punishment, it's a replenishment. And so my fasting is a replenishment, my eating is a replenishment, rules I make for myself are a replenishment, not a punishment. And so I encourage everyone to make choices for yourself that have you feel really well because then when someone's like, oh, you're eating a salad and not having dessert, are you trying to be good? No. I'm not trying to be good, it's about feeling good, and I feel my best when I make this choice. This is Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast, and I am your host, Bet Lucas. I am a mom of six crazy kids, I work as a VP in a fast-paced industry, and I've been on a health journey. But what does living your big, bold life even mean? Living boldly is having the courage to finally listen and do what your heart has been trying to tell you all along. Maybe it's to take back your health, write the book, go for the job, run the race. And I'm here to help you listen to that voice and to remind you to be you boldly, the world needs you. Welcome to Living Your Big Bold Life Podcast. I am your host, Bet Lucas. And today, a dear friend is back on the show. And so many of you have commented how her story and and testimony about her intermittent fasting journey and how it provided her so much freedom really touched you. And she is an intermittent fasting coach and well, well known in the intermittent fasting community. And today we wanted to have the amazing, wonderful Lori Lewis back on the show. And we're going to talk about quite a few things on diet mentality, when do you have rules, when do you don't, and all married with the freedom that intermittent fasting brings. And I can't wait for this discussion, but Lori, Lori, welcome back. Oh, bet. This is a dream come true. Thank you so much. I It is a joy to connect with you. And because I've listened so keenly to thousands of people who want to restore their health and their natural weight and experience a sense of freedom. What I'm always listening for is where people are struggling and suffering and how can I root that out and have them feel better. And so to continue to dig in with you and these areas where people are struggling so they can feel freedom is an honor. Thank you. I think that that's why you do what you do and why this passion project is why I do it is that there is nothing better than to watch someone experience that that freedom of of feeling better. And we've all seen it no matter it's your friend, it's a relative, it's you know your neighbor when they are feeling their best and they have stepped into that on their health journey, magic happens. It really does. And you could use a different word if you don't want magic. There is so much that happens, and I've seen it over and over again. So throughout the years, Lori, you've helped 
thousands of people on their intermittent fasting journey. And like you said, you've listened so intently. Tell me why you think so many struggle with this diet mentality. And I'd love to kind of dive into that a little bit. I think that even for people who ha- who say they've never been on a diet or they aren't dieters, we all have been dunked in, immersed, washed in this language of good and bad and trying to be good. And if certain foods are bad and I eat them, then I'm bad and I can't do this and I'm not allowed to do that. And it's very punitive. And so... I feel like the languaging and the mentality and the thoughts, the well-worn grooves of thoughts that we have over and over and over again that keep us in a prison of struggle are these thoughts of good and bad and what we're not allowed to do. And we have no agency. We have no choice when we're in that prison of language and that diet mindset. And so if I can provide a loving, sharp listening and guidance and motivation and inspiration and sometimes a good kick in the butt (laughs) to point to people like, did you just hear yourself? That is the prison that you're in. And to offer, it's really hard to notice and shift our thoughts. And yes, my job is to get people to eat in an eating window and to experience the cognitive and emotional and physical freedom of eating in an eating window. But mostly my job is to have people experience an awakeness of thought. And when I work with people for a year, which is just such a blessing, I have learned that around the seven month mark, I don't know what that is, but suddenly people turn a corner and walk into a whole, it's like a whole new room that they're in. Like they walked through a door and they're like, oh, it's brighter and it's different in here. And they can see all the weight of that diet mentality that they've been able to shed. It's it's experiential, turning that corner. It, it's just a thrill. So why, so do you ever have someone say, okay, Lori, you're telling me, you know, diet mentality is kind of keeping me in this room and I'm feeling bogged down and I think you're right. I think you're right. But isn't intermittent fasting dieting, isn't intermittent fasting just another thing that is going to add these rules to my life and keep me in this room? Why are you then promoting this way of life and and why is it different? Let's start with the human physiology. Human beings are designed to not eat. End of story. (laughs) We are designed to be bright and sharp and alert and strong and productive when we're in a, quote, fasted state. I'm sure our ancestors just called that like, there's no food now, (laughs) period. We need to go find food (laughs) because that is our most fundamental uh, behavior is find food, stay alive. (laughs) And so when we are in the finding food mode, we are at our strongest and brightest. So given that we live in a time when food is in abundance 24-7, and we add to that that we as humans have developed these habits where we cope with stress with food, we celebrate 
everything with food, every emotion that we have, (laughs) we use food to either celebrate or calm and comfort ourselves. And our ancestors didn't have that. And then you add to that, that the food that we have access to is specifically designed to be cheap, to last on the shelf for a long time, and to keep us addicted. It is designed to keep us addicted. It has a, it's designed with a bliss point where we want more. And people, we human beings think it's a joke, like, oh boy, I can't even eat just one of those. Well, it's designed to do that. <laughs> Nobody right. ever said that about broccoli. <laughs> so right. Right. you can't eat a whole bushel of apples. So the reason that I have chosen to beat this drum, which is, okay, people, we want everybody eating in an eating window. Why do we want that? Because it actually provides freedom to allow the body the healing repair that happens during the fasting hours, the burn, utilizing body fat for fuel, keeping insulin low, balancing our hormones, ramping up this amazing deep cellular repair process called autophagy. We want that. Just like sleep, a human body needs to be fasting. We just didn't know that. So we need to give ourselves a little, show ourselves a little grace and realize we didn't know. And that the beautiful dance of fasting, clean, giving our body the rest, coupled with eating well, enjoying our food, nourishing our bodies, and then it's customized. And we get to say when our eating window is and how long it is and what we're going to eat when we open the eating window. So what the seeming constraint of eating in an eating window provides is actual healing and freedom. And people who do, you know, I meet so many people all the time who are like, oh, that intermittent fasting, I did that. I never felt better. And I'm like, oh, what happened? Sounds like you're not doing it anymore. And this is why we need each other, because in our society, we have food all around us all the time and we use it to deal with stress. And people will say, oh, I went through a hard time or one morning I just woke up and I was in a bad mood and threw my sweetener, creamy stuff in the coffee. And that was that. Or I went on vacation. (laughs) One of my current clients is like, I went to Disneyland and never, (laughs) never started again. I'm like, dang it, Disneyland. (laughs) I love it. I love her honesty. Yeah. Yeah. So this is why, you know, and all these people who immediately are having their blood pressure normalized and the symptoms of aches and pains and and inflammation coming down and fatty liver enzymes normalizing and A1C normalizing. It's just the list is endless of the, you know, you can see it on people's lab work, but most importantly, people are like, wow, I just feel so much better. And so the reason I have my job is one, to help people start, but most importantly, help people continue because it's consistency and the camaraderie of being together that uh, and doing something that kind of flies in the face of what everybody else is doing, even though it is the most normal thing for a human body to do. So I like everything about my job. (laughs) 
I think it's so great. And I love how you framed it on we were meant to fast and that historically and our ancestors, even not that far back in history, fasting wasn't even really talked about. It was just kind of what you did. And yet, as we have continued to evolve and have DoorDash and Instacart and drive throughs on every corner and food at every opportunity and every celebration, I guess I'm not providing the listeners and myself and you an excuse, but I do think it's this kind of big person moment where you have to say, you know what, I'm going to... I'm going to realize that this is the dynamic of today's society. And your last piece, that food is designed with a bliss point. I think that the more we can just say, I'm not a bad person, I am being bombarded by all of these opportunities to constantly, constantly eat, and yet my body was not designed to do that. And, and That's my- right. My body was not designed to thrive and do that. And it's why you have clients after client after client probably say, Lori, I've never felt better except for when I started intermittent fasting. I've never felt better. It That you just said it all so beautifully. It's all about feeling good. So people will ask me, oh, this is what I opened my eating window with. Is that okay? I'm like, I don't know. How did you feel? <laughs> so it's the, the barometer is always making choices based on what has us feel well. And then when we don't feel well, or we think we stumbled or messed up or made a mistake, it's leaning in with excitement and curiosity and being like, huh, okay, what how many hours fasted was I when that happened? Or how, where was I in my eating window? Or, or what did I eat that suddenly made my belly puff out or my joints ache? Or I suddenly felt like falling asleep and, you know, I felt so fatigued or moody or ravenous an hour later. And let's enjoy the discovery and the curiosity of how, how the choices that we are making are making us feel and nobody else knows except us. So that's why we can't read a diet plan in a book and follow it to the T and have every aspect of it work for every individual because we are unique. You know, if if I made a list of what I eat and what I don't eat and told the world that you should eat what I eat and don't eat what I don't eat, that would be ridiculous. Same thing with if, if, I told the world you should follow my exact intermittent fasting schedule and do the eating window just like I do. That, no, not cool. So I really am concerned about experts who say this is exactly what you should be doing. The only thing that I think people should be doing exactly (laughs) is following a clean fast, which is a purest fast, which is actually fasting. It would be like sleeping with one eye open. No, you close both of them. You like you, there's a way to sleep, right? So right. same thing with fasting. It's like when you're fasting, fast clean, plain water, plain unflavored, uh, plain black coffee, plain bitter, black or green tea. Other than that, there are no rules. And that's when we go to work on mindset because that's where the noise in people's heads gets really loud. 
So, Lori, I have a question for you. You mentioned intermittent fasting just makes them feel better. However, do you ever have clients, just in case there's kind of a beginner out there listening or someone who's earlier in their fasting process, do you ever have someone who initially doesn't feel great, but it's kind of they're a body adjusting to fasting? Do you ever find that? Oh, sure. Absolutely. And even experienced fasters, sometimes people will be like, wow, I'm six months in and suddenly I'm getting really, really tired around hour 15 or 16. Then we'll look at everything that's happening from lab, lab work to food choices to what time are you sleeping? And But regarding a new faster, yeah, ease in. There is no reason to rush. As our our friend and author Jen Stevens says, this isn't the fasting Olympics, right? right. So, at, so you want to notice, I would ask someone first, at what point are you not feeling well, right? So you close your eating window, whatever time you close it. Some people close it at two o'clock in the afternoon if they have a morning, early afternoon eating window. Some people close it at midnight or 10 p.m., whatever whatever you want to do. So you close the eating window, you drink plain water, you sleep, you wake up, you drink plain water. If you like coffee or tea, have that. And then I ask people to identify exactly how, what time is it and how many hours fasted generally are you starting to feel poorly? And in what way are you feeling poorly? Do you have a headache coming on? Do you feel nauseous? Do you feel just ravenously hungry and does that last and grow or is it quickly diminished? Like I really dig in like what actually doesn't feel well. And if it's blood sugar issues or, you know, it could be electrolytes. It could be pop a magnesium capsule and have some minerals in your water and a little salt under your tongue and you're good to go. But if it's blood sugar, you should eat. And then we have to deal with people thinking they failed. Again, it's back to mindset. You didn't fail. You were awesome. You tried something new. You identified in your body what it was telling you. You paid attention. Good on you. Eat. Enjoy it. And I think that those are such like good insights because I do find, especially early in the fasting process, as your body is acclimating, you may have some times where you're not feeling like awesome or your body's like, oh, what is this thing I'm doing? And you're hearing, let's say on this podcast, but you're just saying we are going to have so much freedom and we're going to feel so much better. And yes, you will feel so much better, but it doesn't all happen overnight. Nothing happens overnight. And I love, I repeat this a lot on the podcast. You know, we learn by doing and our bodies learn by doing. And the best way for you to get kind of more and more free with fasting and more and more, I think, feeling your best is to just do it and figure out that shoe that fits you best. And we all kind of have our fasting shoe. And you can change your mind too, right? I mean, I'm sure through the years, Lori, you may have worn a few different fasting shoes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there's freedom in that. I, I think that we in our society really just want to be given the instructions and the list and here's the plan. I mean, when I'm newly working with people, they're like, do you give a food plan? I'm like, no, (laughs) I'm going to work with you to customize your own thing, which ultimately is freeing. But that's a little daunting for people because we would rather follow a list. And then if it fails, we can blame the list. But uh, (laughs) um, again, it's it's back to freedom and choice and pointing to what has me and my body 
and my emotions feel really, really good and what doesn't and avoiding those things. I'd like to be able to untangle these ideas of having rules and guidelines for myself that serve me versus following someone else's plan and the whole world of diet mentality and rules and constraint. And it can get a little jumbled and tangled up for people with regards to those words and and concepts. Yeah. You know, I posted something on my, in my Motivate Big Bold Life podcast group the other day, and I had referenced that I was taking a break from uh, dark chocolate, that it was slowly moving from uh, a every once in a while treat to a main food group. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. And, and then I also will discuss at times taking breaks from caffeine or taking breaks from alcohol or uh, reducing uh, a certain item. And I will at times have someone go, oh, well, I don't like that bet because the whole reason I started intermittent fasting is to not have diet mentality. And, you know, I'll kind of push back a little bit and I'll say, for some of us, this isn't diet mentality. This is just a realization on our journey that for me to feel my best, I can't just intermittent fast. I have to do some other things in my life. And some of those are sleep related. Some of those are mental health related. Some of those are eating related. And when it comes to eating and drinking, I may need to say, you know what? I feel my best when I only have one cup of caffeine a day. I don't feel my best if I have five. So I'm not going to. To me, that's not diet mentality. That's that right. That's just accepting. What are your thoughts on that? Well, let's say there are two worlds. There are a lot more, but let's just say there are two. Imagine two circles, right? So in one world, it's diet mentality, which is like, I can't, I'm not allowed. It, this, These things are bad and I, I'm going to be bad and I'm avoiding being bad. So I have to try really hard to be good. And, and so that's the diet mentality world. And then the other circle, the other world is the freedom world, the I get to say world and the world of what's going to make me feel really well. The world of taking really good care of my body. Okay. So taking really good care of myself is a different world, a different context, a different conversation than diet mentality where I'm bad and I'm guilty and I'm shamed and it's all punishment oriented. So when you say, you kind of look through your life, right? So I always start with fasting as the foundation. It's kind of like the heart, the heartbeat, the center. Do you imagine the center of the sun? And then all of the rays coming out are all the other things that I can do to take really good care of myself with having a clean fasting schedule and eating in an eating window at the heart. So all of the other things I can do to take really good care of myself are my food choices and, and nutritious food that tastes delicious to me. So food and sleep and movement and what I call reflection time. So that would be quiet journaling or prayer, meditation, time in nature, uh, hydration, all these aspects, all these rays of the sun that come out from the foundation of eating in an eating window. So you decided, you just saw for yourself, huh, this pleasure of this dark chocolate has turned into something else. And that something else seems to have its claws into me or has a great, you know, it's an addiction or it's not a great habit. 
when you realize that it has you as opposed to you having it and the pleasure of it is diminished. The specialness of it is diminished. And it's something that you're aware might be making you not feel so well or might even be harmful to you. And you do it anyway. <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> right? So you brilliantly were like, huh, this chocolate thing, maybe we could rein it in a little bit. Not from the diet mentality of punishment or guilt or shame or bad, but from the context and point of view of I'm a person who's really interested in feeling well. And I'm a person who really wants to live a long time and and have a great quality of happiness and a great quality of life. And because of that, I choose to take really good care of myself. And right now, I'm not having all that chocolate. And when I have it next time, it's going to be super special and I'm really going to enjoy the heck out of it, but I'm not going to have it for a while. That is not diet mentality. That's taking really good care of yourself. (laughs) Right, right. And it's interesting because sometimes, yes, maybe short term, it feels like a sacrifice, but in the long term, you feel so much better. Well, then we have to look at what about that is a sacrifice. One of the things Mm. people really deal with is the sadness they feel by eliminating some foods that make them feel awful. So let's say they've established a clean fasting regimen and they eat in an eating window and they're feeling really well. And we're customizing like when the window is and how long it is. And what do you open your eating window with? Some people love opening with a small little snack. Other people love opening it with a big meal. Everybody's different, right? And so then we discover, gosh, there are some foods that have a detrimental effect on that person's body. And then they have to deal with the emotion of not having that. And even though they themselves have identified with my pointing a spotlight on it, (laughs) you know, that that particular food doesn't serve them, there is that emotional component of it can be resentment. It can be like, well, that isn't fair. Like why me? Other people eat that. And, you know, like I love cashews. I mean, they're delicious, but I realized they make my whole gut like I am doubled over in agony and pain. But let me tell you, every time someone puts out a dish of nuts and there's a cashews there, I have this conversation with myself about how delicious they look. And maybe this time they won't won't hurt my stomach so much. And how come everybody else gets to eat them and I don't? And it's like, okay, Lori Lewis, grow up and make choices based on what has me feel amazing. And those cashews do not. And you push the bowl away. (laughs) You've nailed it. So many times we feel like, well, we can't give up this food or we don't want to give up this food. And yet, we just need to accept sometimes it's it's not saying never, ever, ever, but it is accepting the role that it's playing on your health journey. And, you know, I see it a lot when people decide to reduce alcohol or sugar in their diet. They mourn it. It can be very hard, especially if it is a regular presence. But I guess what I want to assure you is I hear it over and over again on this podcast, and I know Lori does too, that it does get easier. It really does. And, you know, you figure out little ways to break the the habit. You know, I have a little few tricks. One, if 
if dark chocolate's sneaking in too much, I just stop buying it. I mean, it sounds so corny, but I stop having it in the freezer and because that's where I keep it. And with alcohol, same thing. If I notice that we're having wine with dinner too often or too much, guess what? No matter how much I want to buy that bottle of wine, I don't buy it. It's not here. And if it's not here, guess what? It's pretty hard to drink it. (laughs) So I just, I find that there's a lot of different tips. And guess what? Then I feel better. So then I'm like, oh, then I want it less and less. And it makes that, that thing you, you loved so much it makes it a lot less desirable. At least that's what I have found because I love feeling my best and I'm so in in tune now with how good I can feel. And I think for a lot of my life, I was walking around thinking I felt good and yet I really wasn't feeling my best. I really wasn't. Mm, Having a daily fasting regimen absolutely increases and improves a person's opportunity to experience what feeling our best does feel like. And once you've experienced that over long enough time, we kind of develop an unwillingness to feel awful, (laughs) right? Like we have a deep desire and excitement to feel well more and more and more and more of the time. And then, as you said, there can be this realization like, huh, and it's just a maturity of thought and spirit, which is, yeah, I think that's not serving me. I'm enjoying it. And when we can have it less often, it makes it more special. And the thing too, is that it's human nature. We feel like, um, well, if I'm allowed to have this, then I can have it all the time, to, you know, all the things all the time. And it's like, no, our bodies are not designed that way. So these um, things that we deem as special, like whether it's dark chocolate or a glass of wine, we could have it less often, especially as we age, especially as we've turned the corner into perimenopause or menopause and women, especially moving into our 50s, that there are things that we are discovering our bodies could do a little with a little less of. What are some things, kind of some tactical things you've done to help them when they kind of feel like, well, Lori, I'm intermittent fasting, I'm I'm in my groove, and yet I still feel like I'm not making, you know, some of the best choices to help me feel my best, what's some advice or some really, you know, some tips you would provide them? Let's say it was me. What would you say? Well, one of the things that intermittent fasters do experience um, is this idea of appetite correction, which is a concept that was coined by Dr. Bert Herring. He's a metabolism expert. And our brain has an appetite center. It's the apostat. And in that that apostat controls uh, many things, but our hunger and satiety hormones, which help us discern the nutrients that our body needs and the quantity of food our body needs. And unfortunately, ultra-processed food messes with that and it doesn't work as well. So fasting helps it work better than it did before we were fasting. But the manufactured foods tend to not allow the apostat to work as well. So I really do work with all people to customize the eating window 
the time and the length of time that works for that person and with their life and their goals and, and work schedule and fitness and family and so forth and sleep, of course. And then within the eating window and food choices, again, let's look at how our bodies are designed. Our bodies are designed to eat plain, whole, real food that doesn't have a ingredients list on it. <laughs> it's like the banana is the ingredient. The thing itself is the thing, right? right. <laughs> that was sounded silly. But so what are the w- ways and where are the areas that a person can start to add more real whole foods into their eating window? And I start by having people categorize food into four categories. The first one would be your trigger foods and the things that really set you off that you, if you are down a slippery slope, uh, for me, one of the foods that's just, uh, um, really hard for me to be around is, you know, that popcorn, the smart food popcorn with the white cheddar powder. (laughs) The minute I stick my hand in that bag, I mean, I can't remember the last time I did, but even just the thought of it right now, I'm like, my whole mouth is covered with white powder and I get to the bottom of the bag and I'm like, is that all there is? Where's the rest of it? Right. So trigger foods. Then the next column would be foods that make you feel poorly. And it's surprising that how many people have no idea what foods make them feel awful. So that's the discovery is what foods make you feel achy, puffy, distended belly, headache, a ravenous an hour later, moody, you know, fatigued. So what foods make you feel awful? And then the third category is what are your grab and go foods? Because we're so rushed, you know, that you eat at the computer, you eat in the car and you just grab it because you didn't have time to prepare or even think about what you're going to eat. What are those grab and go foods that probably aren't giving you the nutrients that you need? And then the fourth column is what are the foods that you absolutely love that you were excited to eat, but that love you back, like your fantasy meal that when you eat it, you feel so alive and and nourished and happy. Like what are those foods that, that you love that love you back? And so within those four columns, we're trying together to reduce the ones from the first three columns and add foods and uh, to our eating window that are in the fourth column. And that actually allows people the opportunity to feel so satisfied and nourished and, and like the food is pleasurable, but you don't have these negative ramifications from having eaten that. And when people feel that good, we want to keep it going. And then the other tip is that in the eating window, that people start tuning in very with great awareness to what does satiety feel like? What does it feel like when hunger is gone and the body is like, oh, that was good. That was enough. What does that feel like physically in the body? And what does it sound like? And what are the thoughts that we have when we are satisfied? And so if you're aware of that and then stop eating and then pause and don't drink flavored drinks and snack and graze and suddenly something will be in your mouth and you're like, wow, how'd that get in there? <laughs> you know? totally. And that you eat to satiety, you pause. And then if hunger arises an hour later, you're just like, oh no, I'm, I'm eating at 
four and this is the yummy food I'm going to be eating in a few hours. I don't need to eat again. I can wait. We can wait until the next meal. Mm -hmm. So knowing the foods that we love that love us back, knowing our trigger foods and avoiding them. Like you said, I am not going to have that in my house right now. (laughs) And I know you said you thought that was corny, but that's smart. That's not corny. Yeah, That's- I mean that cheese popcorn, right? Like oh. I would be the same. If that cheese popcorn is here, it is going to get devoured. It is. I mean, let's just all be real. And I love how you just make the focus. It's so simple on just plain whole foods. The more we can just have the foods that have a no ingredients on a package, the better. And that really simplifies a lot. And it kind of, because so many of us, when we try different eating like lifestyles and diets, all we do is replace one ultra processed food with another ultra processed food. Oh. And I, I see that a lot where, oh, well, I'm eating, and keto's a really easy one to pick on. And sure. There, but there's, yeah, I'm sorry the the vegan community is guilty of it. The you could name a lot of diets that are diet mentalities that are or eating lifestyles that that are guilty of it. But you go to the grocery store and they've just figured a way to process it that is now meets the keto box or meets the vegan box, but it's still an ultra processed food. It it's still is. absolute junk and our body doesn't know how to process it. And now I'm not demonizing it. I'm not saying you are never allowed to have that. And if you have that, you're bad. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, does it serve you? Is it actually giving your body the nutrients your body needs to thrive? I don't think so. so and I say to people, oh, if you're hungry, um, if you don't want to eat an apple or a steak, or broccoli, or Brussels sprouts, or a banana, or, you know, fill in the blanks, you're not actually hungry. Mm-hmm. So that's what there is. To, but let's just keep it simple. Let's say it's an apple. If you don't, if you think you're hungry, but you don't want to eat an apple, you're not hungry. Oh, I love this, Lori. <laughs> Lori, this is, this is an epiphany moment for a lot of people Whoa. listening. Is. I think it's like, Oh, you mean to tell me that um, I, I'm i not hungry because I'm picking the dark chocolate and there's an apple there? And I'm like, no, no, I'm, I don't want the apple. I'm not, I'm not hungry for that. I just want my dessert over here. That's such a, that's such a powerful thought. Like, oh, well, I'm not really hungry. I'm just eating this because I love this food. I love right. it. We need to actually... Yeah eat real food that we love. It's it's not a free for all. It's not like you're allowed to have all the things all the time. There are rules. You know, when I'm working with a client and they reach their ideal, you know, they reach whatever their goals were. And then we reassess, like, what are you going to do now? You know, and uh, in the diet world, it would be like, oh, I'm going to go back and do what I did before (laughs) that got me in this state to begin with. It's like, no, but what are the rules now? What are, how are you going to live? Like one of my rules is I don't eat in a car, in a bus, on a train, on a plane, or on a boat. (laughs) (laughs) And I, any mode of transportation. Now everybody else is like, woohoo, we're in a road trip. Where are the snacks? And that is just really a shame because I have learned for myself that we eat so mindlessly when we are traveling. It is 100% entertainment. And 
I have learned for myself that I am, again, stronger, brighter, more clear, more effective when I'm in a fasted state. So I've been doing some long drives across the country. And um, before I started intermittent fasting, I was achy all the time, head to toe. But especially when I sat for, you know, 15 minutes, if I stood up, my hips hurt really badly. And ever since I've been an intermittent faster for well over four and a half years now, um, when I sit down and stand up, I feel the same. (laughs) I feel fine. (laughs) And I don't have any achy joints or pains or kinks or anything. I'm 58, almost 59. And I've been on these road trips astonished that I can sit in a car for 13 and a half hours was the longest amount of time. I mean, I had to stop and get gas and pump the gas and walk my dog and get back in the car and keep driving. But basically 13 and a half hours with no back pain, shoulder pain, elbow pain, hand pain, knee pain, butt pain, no pain. And then I will get back in the car the next day and drive the same 10 to 13 hours with no pain. Oh, and I'm bright and attentive and alert. I'm not foggy and sleepy while I'm driving. Like that's dangerous. (laughs) I have no one to relieve me in the car. And if I did feel awful, I'd stop and get a room in a hotel. So the fact that I, at my age, feel so alert and well and don't have any aches or pains sitting in a car for a long time is because I am not snacking while I'm driving. And the same thing holds true when I fly in an airplane. I fly water only and I arrive at the, my destination with no jet lag and no fatigue, which is amazing. Now, are those rules and constraints? Yes, but those rules for myself make my life better. And it doesn't feel like a constraint. It feels like I always say it's, it's not a punishment. It's a replenishment. And so my fasting is a replenishment. My eating is a replenishment. My, the rules I make for myself are a replenishment, not a punishment. And so I encourage everyone to make choices for yourself that have you feel really well, because then when someone's like, oh, you're eating a salad and not having dessert, are you trying to be good? No, I'm not trying to be good. It's about feeling good. And I feel my best when I make this choice. What are you doing to make yourself feel well? You know? <laughs> oh, I, but I love that so much. It's, it's not because I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to feel good and, yes. and replenishment over punishment. Wow. Too, wow. I, mean, I love that. <laughs> and such a, such a mindset shift and yet such an important one uh, on any, you know, health journey you're on, but especially, you know, on your fasting journey, because the same people will say that, you know, may say that to you and challenge you when you're fasting, like, well, you're not eating. Why are you not eating? What's wrong? Are you, you know, they kind of will put, especially people don't understand fasting. And you're like, no, I'm replenishing my body. I am doing something that makes me feel good, not because I am a bad person or because I've been bad. That's, I love that. I'm going to really, I'm going to work on that to myself. Mm, so great. You know, you also, you, when you asked about how I would guide someone if they were doing great with the fasting, but struggling with the food, and then I, I, dig into where is the struggle? What are you actually struggling with? You know, where are you actually feeling out of control or 
whatever the emotion is or whatever the behavior is. And then we would dig in there. And if it has to do with sugar, you know, people are like, I'm not really a sugar person. I'm a salty, crunchy person. Okay, well, fill in that, you know, but I find though that what people do is they alternate between sweet and creamy and, and crunchy and salty. And it's just this cycle of, (laughs) and so whatever the trigger food is, whatever the, the thing is that's causing the struggle, then I ask, you know, how often are you eating that? And can we delay it to, could you have that on Saturday and just look forward to it more? And then when you have it on Saturday, see how you feel because you might not even be interested in it, which is a real breakthrough when people are like that thing that had a, it's claws into me, the thing that had its grip on me, I'm not even interested in it anymore. So it doesn't even take any willpower because I just feel so well, I just don't want it. So let's say Saturday comes and you're either not interested in it or you're super excited to have it. And then you want to notice how you feel. So I have a client who was really excited that she, for the first time, was able in the summer to enjoy some s'mores with her daughter, which is awesome. It's like with with, with no guilt, like just complete pleasure and enjoyment of the graham cracker and the chocolate and the hot marshmallow and and had a wonderful, wonderful time. And so we were celebrating that. And what we were celebrating was that she was able to enjoy it happily with no guilt and no self-beratement or negative talk. But then she happened to say something like, oh boy, and then I really paid. And I'm like, wait, what do you mean? She said, well, I felt so sick after. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Then it's not a treat. Mm. why you know you don't have to have that you can actually have something else and have the same experience we don't have to eat anything that makes us feel awful now there you know i go with my friend i tell everybody this i go with my friend jen to salt and straw which is this amazing ice cream place in portland where i live and um I know I kind of have to prepare myself for how icky I'm going to feel by eating the ice cream. Then you think, well, why are you doing that? I'm like, because it's delicious. (laughs) 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 And I go with her once a month, but maybe sometimes we skip some months. And But I kind of have to prepare myself. Sometimes I'll eat a big salad beforehand, and somehow that makes, makes it easier on my body. And then I don't eat so much. I'll taste this or that. But I do prepare myself to not feel great. And yet I'm just not delusional about that. I know that I won't be. So I want everyone to, it's a breakthrough to have something that you've beaten yourself up about for your whole life, like a potato or a croissant or a s'more, right? It's a breakthrough to be able to eat it without beating yourself up and to eat it and to completely enjoy it. But if you notice it doesn't make you feel well, don't have that again or go into it knowing that you're going to feel badly. But again, it's all about choice and feeling good and taking really good care of yourself and knowing how your body works and planning. And all of that is in the, the world of treating ourselves really, really well, which is not the world of diet mentality. Oh, Today has just been so, I think, powerful, and I really think a really relevant topic to what a lot of us, 
uh, have dealt with on our health journey. And it's, I'm so glad to have an expert like you here sharing kind of your tips and insights. And, and as we close, I want to make sure, Lori, that people know uh, what you're up to these days and where to connect with you and find you if they're interested in learning more about intermittent fasting. I would love to have people go to my website. It's fastforwardwellness.com, fast forward. And um, you can sign up to have a free guide. It's a short guide of how to start and all the benefits of intermittent fasting. And and that'll come to you in your email for free. And you can scroll through and, and see my book there and all, lots of different podcasts I've been on and read some things I've written. And so it's a great hub and you can write me personally if you started and you're like doing great or you started and you're struggling. I really love to hear from people. And um, it's just a great honor to be able to support people in this way because there's just spectacular evidence that people feel better when they eat in an eating window. (laughs) Yes, most definitely. Well, go find Lori at fastforwardwellness.com. And Lori, it's been such a pleasure to have you here. And are there any last words you would like to share on the Big Bold Life podcast? Mm, I think that in addition to having our bodies feel better, we just really want to feel better mentally and to have happier thoughts and to treat ourselves well. And and I want to leave people with this idea that this isn't a diet. It's a quiet. What an amazing, powerful tool that you're sharing about to release the diet and find the quiet. I love that. Thank you, Lori, for being here today. Thank you, Bet. Thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to write a review and push that subscribe button. I also hope you will come hang out with me on Instagram, Facebook, and my new website, BetLucas.com. And remember, friends, be you boldly. The world needs you.